So the other day, I came across this article from a while back. It was an interesting article, and it was about this guy who survived the attacks on 9-11. He was at the towers, and he survived the attack. And, and the article was going through this stuff about, you know, like how, his, how everything kind of went down and once the planes hit and what was he doing. And so he was explaining how everything happened that day, and he said that the thing that really um, helped him in that moment, the thing that like, he attributes his survival to was, was praying in that moment. And so he said that as soon as things began to like, really uh, develop, he began just to repeat the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. And he just began to repeat and repeat and repeat this prayer. And so even uh, the article uh, it was titled, How the Lord's Prayer Saved John Mahoney. So on one hand, you know, the Christian first kind of response is, wow, praise God, look at that, hallelujah, the power of prayer, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also it raises a lot of questions. What about the thousands of other people that were there? Were there there no other Christians? Was nobody else crying out to God in that moment when the towers were under attack? What do you do with that sort of thing? I imagine there was lots of people, people that maybe didn't even believe in God that were crying out to somebody or something for help and guidance in that moment. So what was it about John? John Mahoney, was he extra special? What, what do you do with that when it comes to prayer and does God hear it or doesn't he? Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. How, how does that work? About eight years ago, Jess and I decided we were ready to start a family, and so we began to pray, God, please help us to get pregnant, and Jess got pregnant, and when we found out she was pregnant, we began to pray over this life developing within her each and every day. God, please help this child to grow up healthy and strong, and we pray that this pregnancy will be free from any major complications. And about nine months later, we were blessed with this beautiful baby girl that we named Ella Rose. Time went by, we eventually got pregnant again. And once we found out we were pregnant, we began to pray, dear Lord, will you please help this child to be healthy and to develop properly and and, and help this pregnancy be one that's free from complications. And about nine more months went by and we were blessed with this beautiful baby boy that we named Ezra Andrew. Some more time went by we found ourselves pregnant again. I blame Jess. <laughs> and we began to pray over this child. God, please help this baby to develop, to be strong and healthy. Please keep this pregnancy free from complications. And then several months into the pregnancy, there was a complication. And we went to the hospital to see if the baby was gonna be okay, and what we found out was that the baby was not okay. And by that night, we had lost our third child, and this was months, months into the pregnancy, not an early stage sort of thing. We lost 
the baby. And so not only were we going, experiencing the weight of this miscarriage, we also had spent the next couple days back and forth between the hospital because there was stuff going on with Jess's body now and they couldn't control the bleeding and we were unsure like if it was gonna involve this. So there was a lot of weight and fear and pressure that I was experiencing in these moments. So here we are in this position of we've handled this situation with these children three different times. We've done it all the same way. The first two work out and it's fine and we have these beautiful kids. And then this third one, like what changed? Did we do something wrong? Did God change his perspective? Did God stop listening? Is he, where did he go? What, what's going on? Like how, do you, how do you begin to understand? Sometimes prayer works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes God is only listening to John Mahoney and not the thousands of people. Sometimes, sometimes God answers. Sometimes, sometimes he hears the prayer. Sometimes he doesn't. Or is it that God always hears the prayer and just sometimes the answer is No. And if the answer is no, then he's saying no to the life of my child? But he said yes to John Mahoney? What do you do with all this? People say things like, well, his ways are not our ways. We can't know the mind of God. God's a mystery. Well, then what's the point of praying? People say things well, like, God can do anything he wants to. Okay, but then why doesn't he? People say things like, oh, we were going through this tough time and we prayed and then God showed up. Okay, but where was he before that? Was he busy somewhere else? Was he busy with something else? Was there something else he was dealing with? Is that why my child died? Because God was busy with your thing instead of... If we can't be sure, if there's no guarantees of God is listening or if he's going to answer or if the answer is going to be the thing that will, if, if there's no guarantees in any of this, like, then why even try? What's the point of any of it? In Matthew chapter 26, Matthew tells this story about a time when Jesus prayed. This is moments before he's arrested and, 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 and put on trial. Matthew chapter 26. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and Jesus begins to pray. It says this, going a little further, farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch this, verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So, Jesus is, is aware, I believe, about what's getting ready to happen. He's about to be arrested. And he's about to be put on trial. and He's about to be crucified, put to death. I believe he's aware of these things that are getting ready to happen. And in light of his impending death, he says this prayer, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. And he likens his death to this cup, to this drink. He says, please take this 
from me. I don't want to do this. But then it says he comes back a second time and he prays again. He says, Father, if it's not possible to take this cup from me, may your will be done. So what is this? Is this Jesus having doubt, expressing fear? Is he uncertain? Is Jesus negotiating with God here? What, how do you go back and forth? I don't want to do this, but I'll do it if I have to. Is this, what? So Jesus, he, he's this Jewish man, and as a Jew, and especially as a rabbi, Jesus would have taken this whole thing, like this whole Torah thing very seriously. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He would have taken this Torah very seriously. And in the Torah, his understanding of it is in Genesis 1, there's this story about this divine creator. And he creates out of nothing. He takes, there's this void, and he creates out of this void, and he begins this creative process. Because what it talks about in the story of Genesis is not that he just creates, but that everything that he creates, he gives the ability to also create. So trees, they can produce more trees. And fish, they can make more fish. And Humans can make more humans. And so Jesus' understanding of the, of the Torah, of the story of God, is that this God created out of nothing. He began this creative process that continues on. And then what this God does is he creates these human beings. And then he gives responsibility to caring over this creation that is continuing to expand. He says, here, you're going to be in charge of this. You now have responsibility to take care of this thing that I have created, that I've given the ability to continue to create. So as Jesus begins to pray, the thing that he's doing is he's tapping into this divine creative energy that he understands created this whole thing. This whole thing. This whole thing that God said, here, this is, we're going to start this, and it's going to expand and expand and expand and expand. And so when he prays, please take this cup from me. And then moments later, he says, if it's not possible to take this cup from me. This isn't, this isn't an act of rebellion. This isn't rejecting God's will, but it's also not just accepting things as they are. There, there's something in this prayer that Jesus is being honest with where he's at with all this. I don't want to do this. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But I think what's fascinating about th this kind of dual prayer thing here is there's this first sense of honesty, but then there's this other part about may your will be done. This other part that speaks to Jesus' understanding of how things are. Jesus is saying, help me to be open to this God who is at work in the here and now. Because as he understands the Torah, things are still continuing to unfold. And the prayer is about being open to the God who is at work here and now. I mean, Jesus comes from this like whole long line of people, this whole long tradition, this Jewish tradition of people who understood prayer as this pouring out of one's soul. Who understood prayer as this is the, the place that we get to have a conversation like with, from the depths of within us to God. There's this beautiful example in Psalms 13. Psalms 13, 
we see this example played out uh, by David. And he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is a person who's speaking from deep within their being. This is a person who's expressing fear and doubt and anxiety and all these sorts of human emotion. This is a person who's pouring out everything that they are before the Lord. This is a person who's saying, please take this cup from me. This is a person who's being honest with God because if prayer is anything, it's about being honest with your creator. I think it's funny when people talk about prayer, they often seem to think that there's these limitations to what you can say to God, as if you're going to hurt God's feelings and offend God, and your thoughts are so powerful that it will throw off God. You know God can handle whatever you're thinking or feeling. Do, do you know this? Like, he's God, and, and you're not, and he can handle it. I mean, and if Jesus is the one we're trying to follow, Jesus himself in this moment is having this open, honest prayer conversation with God. Like, I don't want to do this. But if it's not possible, if it has to go this way, then may your will be done. So it's fascinating because you look at this prayer and on the front end, there's this, there's this honesty about where he's at. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. But then there's more than just this sense of honesty. There's this openness. May your will be done. If the cup cannot pass, help me to be open to it. And so when you look at these two prayers, there is this underlying assumption beneath all of this. There's this assumption underneath both of these prayers that Jesus assumes that he has a role to play in this ongoing expansion of creation because of how he understands the Torah and how God designed things to work. His assumption is whether you take this cup from me or whether I must drink it, the assumption is that I have a role to play in this ongoing unfolding story of creation. The assumption is He's got something to do. He's got some way to be a part of it. He's got some way to help keep this whole thing moving forward. So for Jesus, prayer isn't just this empty sort of ritual or habit or just this thing we do. For Jesus, this prayer is about opening himself up to God's plan for what he needs to be doing, about opening himself up to God's plan and what God is doing in the here and now. I mean, what's your approach when it comes to prayer? I feel as though many times our prayers become this last-ditch effort sort of thing. It's this Hail Mary. Well, we've tried everything else on our own. Maybe we should let God have a go at it. We've exhausted all our abilities and resources. Maybe we should let him have a try. Or maybe we pray out of obligation or just habit. We sit down at the table, Lord, help this food to nourish our bodies. And God's like, yeah, but it's, it's Hot Pockets. Like, how does that, 
you have to take some responsibility for this. For Jesus and the authors of the New Testament, prayer wasn't just words. It wasn't just we say these things at these times and invoke this divine. No, prayer for these people, for Jesus, for the New Testament authors, prayer was like the posture of your life towards the rest of life. The posture of your life towards the rest of life. In fact, if you skip over to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's this beautiful little passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually. You, your version may something, say something like, pray without ceasing. This is more than just talk, 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 talk. I just am throwing up stuff to God just all day, every day, every second of every hour, every day. That's, that's not what this is. This is about the posture of your life towards all of life. This is about the way that you see everything that's going on around you. So prayer is not just words. It's not just offering stuff up into the air. Prayer is this lifestyle. And in this lifestyle, it's about reflecting. It's about listening. It's about being open and honest with where you're, where you're at. It's about waking up to all the ways that God is moving in this world right here and right now. And it's about all the ways that you can participate with him in the things that he's doing right here and right now. You see, prayer, prayer is about connecting. And it's about connecting to this divine energy that created all things from the very beginning. It's about connecting and tapping into that. That's why when people say things like, when I pray, I can feel the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because that's what prayer does. Prayer connects you to things. Prayer connects you to the God that you're praying to. Prayer connects you to the things that you're praying over. Prayer connects you to the people that you're praying for and that you're praying over. Prayer enlarges our perspective. It gives us a bigger heart. It allows us to see things differently. It changes things. And sometimes it changes you and your heart. This is why Republicans should pray for Democrats. And this is why Democrats should pray for Republicans. Not so that they can become like you, but so that you can become like God. So that you can begin to see them as the children of God that he created, not as your enemy wearing a different color on a different side of a political aisle. Because prayer is about changing things, and sometimes the thing that needs to be changed is us, not them. Prayer is about connecting to this divine energy that created all things. So when people say things like, well, why did God not answer this? Or why did, he, why did this happen this way? Or why did this thing happen that way? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know why the Lord's prayer saved John Mahoney and why thousands of other people died. I don't know why... Two of my three kids were born with no problems, and I said all the same, and then the third one didn't make it. I don't, I don't know that. And, and, and to be honest, I'm super suspicious of people that claim to have all the answers and knowledge about this stuff when they're like, well, you just didn't pray hard enough, or you didn't believe deep enough. It's garbage. 
garbage. We, we can't know the mind of God. We can't know these things. But what I can do, what I can do is I can approach this relationship and this communication, my, my posture of life, of prayer. I can be open and honest with God about where I'm at. And I can do my best to seek out and search for the role that I have been called to play in this moment, in this ongoing expansion of creation. Jesus says, please, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. There's this deep sense of honesty. I don't want to go through this. But then he has this openness to trust God enough to say, if it's not possible to take this cup from me, then may your will be done. There's this openness and this understanding that God has a role for him to play. So what I can do is I can be open and honest with God and do my very best to trust and be open to whatever this new thing that's coming into existence, whether my prayer was answered, whether it was rejected, whether it was denied, whether it was answered in a way that I didn't want it to be answered, whatever comes my way, I can do my best to be open to that new thing and begin to look for the role that God has for me to play as this whole thing continues to move forward. To be human is to experience doubt and fear and uncertainty. To follow the divine is to step into those doubts and those fears and those uncertainties and trust God in the middle of them. To be more like Jesus is to learn to be open and honest with what's going on in here as you have this discussion and connect to the one who created all things. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you will learn to view prayer as more than just words. That you will learn to view prayer as the posture of your life. My prayer for you is that you will learn to be more and more and more honest with your creator. My prayer for you is that you will learn to be more and more and more open to the role that God has invited you to participate with him in.